From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, well, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on the floor last night accusing Republican senators of being the only ones opposed to the Biden administration's $2 trillion COVID relief bill. Here's what he had to say. The vast majority of Americans, including a majority of Republicans, should support this bill. It seems like the only people who are dead set against this bill are Republican senators. Well, my first guest says the $2 trillion bill is nothing more than a wish list for Democrats. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joins us in just a moment. I'll also ask her about the NBA's new deal with the Chinese Communist Party-controlled TV network, CCT. And is President Biden's decision to stop construction of the border wall responsible for the deaths of 13 people who were killed when an SUV packed with 25 illegal immigrants reportedly made their way through the incomplete barrier and were involved in a collision with a semi? We'll talk with Stephen Dinett, reporter for The Washington Times. Also last night, the House voted 220 to 210 to approve H.R. 1, the sweeping election law measure that would essentially federalize our nation's election systems, usurping the constitutional role of the states. Speaker Pelosi and others on the left say they need the measure because 43 states have introduced more than 250 bills to address, in part, the constitutional irregularities that still hover like a cloud over the last fall's election. Now, if that happens, that, of course, would not bode well for Democrats. Georgia is leading the way on this important election reform and will be joined by State Representative Barry Fleming who is leading the charge in the Peach State. And from the Inequality Act that turns science and reason on its head and puts religious freedom in the crosshairs to the Stick It to the People Act, which attempts to cement in place those constitutional irregularities that I mentioned just a moment ago over that took place in last fall's election, many of you are asking, what can I do? Well, the answer is a lot, and we're going to talk about it a little later here on Washington Watch with Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs. So don't miss that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform, Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. That's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right, the new COVID relief bill is, uh, is I guess, alive and well as the, uh, the Senate now moves to debate this $1.9 trillion spending bill. Now, here's a little bit more of what Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer had to say last night. Now, we had always hoped that this very important work would be bipartisan. Regrettably, it seems that too many of our Republican colleagues are resorting to the same predictable objections they raise about nearly every proposal supported by a Democrat. It doesn't matter what's in the bill. Everything my colleagues oppose is, quote, a liberal wish list. That's what many of them call it. Well, let me tell you, this bill is not a liberal wish list. This is an American wish list. Well, joining me now is U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Senator Blackburn, welcome back to Washington Watch. It is good to be with you. And I tell you, Chuck Schumer is wrong on this one. The American people want to see COVID relief. And interestingly enough, in this $2 trillion bill, only 9% of it goes to COVID. 
our COVID related needs. The rest of it is exactly as we've said, 91% of the $2 trillion is the left's wish list. And Tony, it is like Nancy Pelosi is saying, I have to have a pacifier for all of the leftists that are in my conference. I have to have a payoff for all of these lobbyists and these left-leaning groups that helped win the White House and the House and the Senate. So this is what you're getting. It is something that takes care of the people that supported them in their pursuit to have control of Washington, D.C. Earmarks are coming back. You have out of control spending money for the arts. You have a blue state bailout, which is the Biden blue state bailout, right, right. going to bail out all of these pension funds and this mountain of debt that these poorly managed states have run up. Yeah, this is one of the selling points for the left is that there's $350 billion going to the states. But when you look at you know, $50 billion going to New York, $27 billion going to California. What's the rest going to get? Pocket change? <laughs> They're not going to get anything at all because these states that have run up these big bills, they've been trying to pay this off. They're losing population. People are leaving states like New York and Connecticut and Massachusetts and um, Washington State and California and Chicago, Illinois, uh, they're leaving, they're moving to income tax, state income tax free states. They're coming to Florida and Texas and Tennessee and places like that. And so they're saying, hey, print some more money. We've got our hands out. Send it to us. We'll take it. Now, you've made some really good points on what. Uh, crisis relief, you know, when you have a natural disaster, and, and you certainly could call, although I think it, it was a man-made disaster in part when we look at what the coronavirus, where it came from and, and what it's done, but you've said it needs to be targeted, temporary, and timely. This Correct. bill does none of that. You're, you're exactly right. You know, back in July, August, September, October, we had bills that would have been targeted, timely, and temporary on the floor. And what did the Democrats do? Every single one of them voted against it. What did they do in the House? They voted against everything that we pushed forward because they wanted people to suffer. Why did they want people to suffer? It was to their political advantage. And Nancy Pelosi even admitted that. How terrible to use people as pawns to win an election. And then once you win, you use them as pawns again to pass $2 trillion in spending. And then you say, oh, yeah, we've got this little tiny bit over here in the corner of this bill. And that is going to go for COVID relief. That's going to go help people that lost their job. That is going to go for more PPP loans. But, hey, the rest of this, this is our money. We're going to bail out our buddies with this. Senator, I need you to help me understand something because, you know, I just cannot connect the dots. The, the, the COVID-19 situation is so dire that we need to spend another almost two trillion dollars. Now, that's on top of four point one trillion Congress has already allocated and the nearly three trillion spent by the Federal Reserve in the actions they've taken. That would be over nine trillion dollars in total. 
And the situation is apparently so critical that uh, President Biden called Republican Governor Greg Abbott's actions to open Texas back up and drop the mandatory mask requirement Neanderthal thinking. So if that's the case, why in the middle of this pandemic, which has the government trampling on our constitutional freedoms, has Joe Biden selected Javier Becerra to head up the federal agency tasked with health care and overseeing this massive response and this man has no health care experience. The only thing he's ever done that could be related to health care is sue hospitals. And sue the little sisters of the poor. True. And fight against religious liberty and vote against religious liberty. And when he was in Congress, he had one of the most pro-abortion voting records of any member of the U.S. House of Representatives. And you're right. He has never had one single day of public health experience hasn't worked for a hospital or a healthcare company he knows nothing about this but you know what he is a liberal activist he is somebody that can be counted on to go as far left as joe biden wants to push but it, it's it's nonsensical if this crisis yes, is this so nonsensical. so terrible we ought to have the most best equipped, experienced individual to head up the nation's response to the coronavirus in this pandemic. And that's not what we have in Javier Becerra. Totally agree with you. What you have is an activist, attorney general, former member of Congress, who is going to come in and manage this $1 trillion budget at HHS. And what are they going to do with this? They're going to make certain that they get Medicaid for all. They're going to make certain that they know more about you than you know about yourself. Uh, Senator, I want to, before we lose uh, r- lose you and run out of time here, I want to transition to something else that you have been on from, well, for a long time, and that is yeah. China. And in particular, you have, you've called the NBA onto the carpet asking about the terms of a new deal that they've cut with uh, CCT, which is a Chinese Communist Party-controlled television. That's right. And they all of a sudden have cut a deal, and they have these warm, cozy things that they're saying about China TV and the Chinese Communist Party. These are people who are not our friends. They do not wish us well. The NBA is listening to the sound of money talking. They are not thinking about the well-being of the Chinese people or the human rights violations that are being carried out against the Hong Kong freedom fighters or the Tibetans or the Taiwanese or the genocide that's being committed against the Uyghurs that are being used as slave labor to create some of these products for these sports companies. And then these Uyghurs are being forced into internment camps and they're faced with being having their population just completely annihilated. This is what is taking place. And the NBA, because it's worth about $3 billion a year to them, they're just fine with that. So, yes, we want to know the terms of this agreement. We think the NBA needs to know that the U.S. Senate is still watching what they are doing and what their participation is with China. And what they are doing in Xinjiang, which is where the Uyghurs are located, and how this slave labor is being used 
to create some of these products that are licensed to some of these sports companies, whether they're jerseys or tennis shoes or basketball shoes or balls or, or whatever. We want to know details. Uh, Senator, just one question on that. Is this, a, is this the same NBA that is preaching social justice to us here in the United States? Yes, it is. Ah, a little bit of hypocrisy there. A lot of hypocrisy. And Tony, I have to tell you, people are so fed up with double standards and hypocrisy. They have just about had it because they're seeing it every day. One set of rules for the left and then censorship and diminishment on the right. So true. So true. And it is so blatant. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, I want to thank you for joining us and thank you for fighting the good fight on Capitol Hill. You got it. Take care. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Check out uh, her website. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. You know, when you hear folks, the the people you have on that we have on this program, the members of Congress are the good guys. And you're not going to hear what you hear on this program on most other programs. So here's what I want you to do. Some homework here is if you get a chance, reach out to them and thank them. For representing you. Now, I know you may not be from Tennessee, but if you're pro-life, Marsha Blackburn is fighting for you. Uh, if you're concerned about the, he- the way this country is headed, she's concerned about you, and she's working for you. So reach out to them and thank them for their representation. All right, coming up next, Joe Biden stopped almost on day one the construction of the wall on the southern border. Now it's become a highway for illegal immigrants coming in and 13 died in a packed into a suburban with 25 people. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. To Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, within days of taking office, one of the executive orders of President Joe Biden was to basically halt the work on the border wall on our southern border. Now, what officials say on the border, law enforcement officials say that the border is less secure than ever before in some places because what happened was they were creating these roads along the border to give Border Patrol and other law enforcement agents quick access. But, of course, that was to be protected by a wall, uh, by a fence and other security devices. Well, now there's gaping holes, uh, and there's but there is a high-speed highway. And some are using this to smuggle individuals into the country. Joining me now to talk more about this is uh, Stephen Dynan. He is an assistant managing editor at the Washington Times. Stephen, welcome to Washington Watch. My pleasure to be here. All right, so w- what's the situation? You've actually interviewed some of the law enforcement officials there on the southern border in Arizona. What, what's happening? So it, it's what you just said. There are uh, the wall system and the, the old administration, previous administration, was always very careful to call it a wall system because it was more than just the actual border barrier. It was the road that you just mentioned, this high-speed road that stands just back from the actual border wall, and there was some technology involved as well. There are agents, uh, Border Patrol agents, who actually believe that in some cases the road is the more valuable part of that system because it allows them, as you said, easy and, and, and quick access. The point of the barrier, the wall, is to deny people, uh, to slow them down, and then the high-speed road gives the border agents a chance to get there and apprehend them. That's the most important part of this equation. There are about five miles, at least in in southern Arizona, at least, and I don't know other parts of the border how much uh, more there might be in California. I was only able to get information from the Army Corps of Engineers on their projects, but about five miles of uh, roads that were built and then you had the border wall halt, and so there were no walls built along the border. So as you said, you have the road, and it's it, it's easy access. The, the sheriff in Cochise County, which is in southeastern Arizona, said, we, we've caught groups, more groups of people getting onto those roads. We've spotted them. They're getting on the roads, and it gives them quick access deeper into the, uh, into the country. There are Border Patrol agents who say, yeah, we're aware of that, and so we can at least sort of station folks to, uh, to, to catch them coming off of the roads. 
but you know, it, it, it's it's an access point and a and a vulnerability that's been left there. I've been to the southern border, and I've during the construction and seen the road uh, that it makes getting there a lot easier than it used to be. Of course, as you said, it was to be combined with a barrier to keep people from using it for uh, illegal purposes. But what this order did stopped construction. The the road had already been in place. The um, the reality is, is that we're now seeing more people coming into the country with apparently greater ease than the, before, before the whole project began. Yeah, there's the, the numbers tell that story. Absolutely. The numbers are skyrocketing right now. And the administration, it's interesting, uh, the administration won't label it a crisis. They've labeled it a challenge. There are plenty of border sheriffs and, and individual uh, Border Patrol agents on the ground who say, this is a crisis, what we're facing down here. It looks every bit like what we saw in 2019 with the massive border surge then. I'll actually tell you one sheriff uh, earlier today put it to me that uh, the you know one of the things the smuggling cartels are incredibly good at adapting to what the mm-hmm. U.S. side does yeah. security-wise. Uh, what, what the sheriff said is we've essentially, while the, the cartels have improved and expanded their capabilities, the Biden administration has taken us back to where we were in 2016. So as they've gotten better, we have actually gotten worse. We've retrograded our abilities. And, you know, you can see the mismatch there, and it's showing up in these numbers. In particular, the number of, they're called unaccompanied alien children is the official government term. They're uh, juveniles uh, under 18 who come across without any parent with them. We just saw a case today. There are 105 uh, migrants uh, caught in one group in the Rio Grande Valley sector, deep Texas. And in that group, 23 UACs, 23 unaccompanied juveniles who came across in there without parents. Those numbers are growing quickly. And you know the, the government, Homeland Security, expects that they will uh, have a record number, a record monthly number within a couple months, topping anything we saw in 2014 and in 2019, the past two surges. Uh, Stephen, let me ask you this question, because a, a lot of these contracts were already let. The, the, the construction was underway. And when these stop work orders went out, I mean, they basically just dropped their tools and had to, to, to stop where they were. But it's my understanding these contracts are going to have to be paid. So we're going to actually pay. The federal government's going to pay for a wall or a barrier that's not even going to be there and we're going to continue to have these issues where if they would have allowed them at least finish what was underway, we wouldn't have the mismatch of the highway and no barrier system. Yeah, it, it, what you just said is exactly right. The former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan, who was the guy who was overseeing that construction for the last year and a half or so, tells me that he believes the cost, that sunk cost, will be billions of dollars in in either fees that we have to pay to those companies Part of it is literally just they have they have the steel lying around, and we're going to have to figure out what to do with that steel. Do you do you surplus it? Well, you know what do you do with it? Ah, the cartel right will take it. Store it. You, one other quick thing on that is that you have uh, there's a question as to whether the border halt 
is actually legal. You may remember that President right. Trump ran into trouble when he stopped Ukrainian security assistance money and the Government Accountability Office ruled that's illegal because Congress allocated that money. There's some argument, I've talked to several congressional power experts who say that the halt itself runs afoul of that same, the, the, the congressional, the, uh, the Impoundment and Control Act. Uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but the, the, the SUV packed with 25 illegal immigrants involved in a crash, 13 died. Reports are they made their way through one of these gaping holes in the, in the barrier. Yeah, in particular. So they, 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 this is what's really, it's not a very commonly told story, but what the smugglers do to get these folks across, in this case, they've taken out the back seats out of the SUV so they, they could stack 25 people in that SUV. I came across a case just yesterday where they had a guy stuck inside of a, a, a box that was literally nine feet high. I'm sorry, nine inches high and about 16 inches wide. And they stuck him inside there, no ventilation or anything to get him through check. Wow. What the smugglers do, it's really inhumane. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, good to talk with you. My Folks, stay with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to go to Georgia, where we're going to check in with a lawmaker there, State, State Representative Fleming, working to reform election laws. That's next. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Listening to Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. State legislatures around the country are responding to last fall's election. 
43 states have introduced more than 250 bills to in, to address, in part, the constitutional regularities in last year's election that uh, have left a cloud over the results. Of course, the left not happy with the states taking this action. Here's what Nancy Pelosi had to say. Just last night, the Georgia House passed a a draconian new voter restriction bill, which would end weekend voting, slash the number of mail ballot drop boxes, impose restrictive voter ID for mail ballots, among other actions. They know that their issues are losers with the American people when they oppose some of the issues I, that are very popular in the public domain. They know that big money and voter suppression is their path to victory. And that's why they're engaged in this. These voter suppression tactics are fundamentally discriminatory. Joining me now is one of the state representatives from the state of Georgia that is leading this effort to secure elections by bringing back integrity. State Representative Barry Fleming, welcome to the program. Tony, thanks for having me today. So uh, you're trying to protect losers? Is that what Nancy Pelosi is saying? Well, um, it's hard to tell what Nancy Pelosi is saying, even when she's not wearing a face mask. And uh, just in that brief clip you played, she said a couple of things that weren't true already. So hard to figure her out sometimes. So let's talk about what you are doing. Obviously, Georgia was in the spotlight in the last election. A lot of concerns over the elections there and, and how votes were counted and how they were taken in and how people voted. What uh, what is the legislature doing there to address those concerns? Well, as we all know, uh, none of us have an election system designed to deal with a pandemic. And that is what we were struggling with in Georgia. Uh, and the results that it produced, uh, our system, I guess you could say, was overwhelmed with, uh, with uh, the, the pandemic. And so we're trying to learn from those mistakes and figure out a way to make uh, as our governor puts it, uh, easy to vote but hard to cheat. And so we have passed a few bills through the legislative process. We'll probably come up with a uh, something in the next month or so that we'll send to the governor for signature. Are you pretty confident that you're going to prepare your system for another type of, uh, you know, not that we'll see a, an exact repeat of what we have with the coronavirus, but we've we've got to make sure that every vote counts and every vote that is voted is a legal vote. Are you pretty confident yes. you're going to get there? We think so. I mean, the the problem we had is that we had a system that for a couple of decades, it worked pretty well. We constantly make adjustments to it. But just one example, um, our absentee ballots in the state of Georgia had never been above 5% in the history of our state. And we saw on some occasions uh, 30 or 40 percent of our voters uh, were voting by absentee. We have something called a signature verification where you sign and they look at your signature to make sure you are basically who you say you are. Uh, that was never designed to deal with a million plus ballots. And the system was overwhelmed. So part of our legislation is to move away from a signature verification to something that is much more objective. Uh, several other things uh, in the legislation we're considering uh, improves uh, the system, we believe, but that would be one of the main examples. So, uh, Representative Fleming, if you go through this effort and you fix these areas that need to be fixed, 
if H.R. 1 that Nancy Pelosi is pushing passes, you, you simply, most of what you've done will be usurped by this federal legislation. Uh, to a great extent, it would. It, uh, elections were meant to be run by the states for the most part, and that's exactly what the so-called H.R. 1 does. Uh, the good thing is, is that uh, most people believe that its chances in the Senate are near as good as in the House. So we hope it doesn't pass, but it would be an incredible uh, usurpation of a state's uh, authority to deal with elections. So in light of that, how do your colleagues view what Washington <laughs> is trying to do pertaining to election laws? Well, it's a, um, it's a one-size-fits-all. Uh, how often do we see that coming out of Washington, D.C.? Uh, what works well in Georgia in November may not work as well in the upper peninsula of Michigan when it's, uh, you know, zero degrees and snowing outside. Uh, so uh, to think that our elections work the same or should work the same in 50 states uh, is an oversimplification, which is only going to lead to many more problems. Yeah. Uh, so it's our sincere hope that the United States Senate will not pass that because we think each state ought to deal with their elections within some reasonable degree. And I would agree 100% with you on that. State Representative Barry Fleming, thanks so much for uh, joining us today, and thanks for your efforts there in Georgia leading the way on election integrity. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you having me today. Absolutely. That is State Representative Barry Fleming in Georgia. And, and folks, this is happening across the country where state legislatures are doing what they should do, and they need to hear from you. Maybe your state's not doing it, but quite a few are. We're going to talk next. Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy here at the Family Research Council, is going to be joining me because a lot is happening, and it's a lot of negative stuff from Washington, but there's good stuff happening at the state level, and you need to be a part of what's happening. You can't just uh, sit on your hands, throw in the towel, whatever description, analogy you want to use. We've got to roll up our sleeves, go to work, and be a part of solving the problems and moving America forward, even though we've got obstacles, like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Party. We still have to stand for truth. We're going to talk with Travis next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. 
However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. I just like, uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, four years ago when the Trump administration came in, uh, we had a hard time keeping up with uh, all of the, the good stuff they were doing. I mean, we had to create a list, a running list, because it was it was nonstop. They moved quickly. And they did a lot of good stuff, a lot. Well, the same can be said for the Biden administration, except it's not good stuff. It's bad stuff. And they're doing a lot of it. And we're talking about it. And I know that some are saying, wow, what are we going to do? People are getting uh, discouraged. Well, I want to put all this in perspective. That's why we had uh, State Representative Barry Fleming on, because a lot of good stuff is happening at the state level. Now, there's not a lot of good stuff happening here. And don't expect there to be any good stuff happening here in Washington because you've got Joe Biden, one of the most pro-abortion presidents. Probably, I think he's going to eclipse um, Obama in terms of being pro-abortion. And, of course, Kamala Harris, the vice president. And, of course, he's pushing the LGBTQ agenda like there's no tomorrow. So don't expect anything good from the Biden administration. You've got Nancy Pelosi running the House, narrow, narrow, narrow. Uh, margin of control, but she's got control with an iron fist. Uh, So don't expect anything good to come out of the House. And uh, the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is uh, the majority leader with uh, Kamala Harris backing him up. So don't expect anything good to come out of the Senate. The best thing we can hope for the Senate is nothing comes out of it at all. Uh, That's the hope because of the filibuster rule. So we look to the states for what is good. uh, But Just like last night, we saw one Democratic member from Mississippi who defected from the Democratic caucus and voted against H.R. 1, this sweeping election law that we talked about earlier. 
and so why did he do that? Very interesting. He responded to the media and said, well, my constituents didn't support it. It's because folks in his district called him and said, bad idea, don't support it. And so your voice still matters. Our republic, as I've said many times, is not for spectators. It's for participants. So what can you do? Joining me now to talk about uh, all of this, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at FRC. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tim. So let's uh, let's just start with, um, well, I guess we'll just take our pick. There's so much to pick from. But let's start with uh, H.R. 1, the election law that we were just talking about with uh, State Representative Fleming. What can people, our listeners, do as it pertains to election integrity and what is happening here in Washington and across the country? Yes, and Tony, I think there's several things they can do. One, although this bill passed the House by narrow margin, there was a lot of Republican opposition to it. Uh, it's going to the Senate now. They can make sure their senators understand that this bill is in to- it's not to be tolerated. They oppose the bill. Their ten- senators should oppose the bill. And we have a resource up at frcaction.org slash HR1. They can go there, send a message to their senators. At the same time, as you mentioned, to be encouraged by the state-level activity, we have a lot of resources up as well on FRC Action's page showing where folks can see what is happening on the question of election integrity across the country and at the state level. So uh, two, two action items here on, on this as it pertains to election integrity. And, and quite frankly, folks, I think this is one of the most important issues. I mean, there's a lot of important issues, but we've got to get this one right because we've got to make sure we have fair and free elections. It's the only way our voice really counts. So that's why I'm encouraged by the fact that uh, 43 states have introduced over 250 bills, many of them dealing with these election irregularities. So you need to find out what your state is doing. There's resources available for that. We're working on more resources, working in a coalition of other organizations. But check out the website, frc.org. Uh, where exactly will they find that? Tony, that's on FRC. It's Action's homepage. If they go to frcaction.org slash action, it's all there. Okay. And uh, the election integrity stuff's there as well. So there you know what is happening in your state. You need to weigh in with your state representatives, your state senators. And then you may be in a state where you've got, you know, a Democratic senator, two Democratic senators. You say, what's the use? Still weigh in with them on this. Hold them accountable, but also... Don't let them say they haven't heard from their constituents. Uh, Email them. Uh, I would encourage you, those that are in states where you've got moderate Democratic senators, Arizona, um, West Virginia, weigh in with your senators and encourage them to protect the right of the states, the constitutional authority granted to the states to establish election systems. This is an important one, and we need your voice in it. Uh, let's talk about the Equality Act, which uh, also passed the House last week and is uh, is over in the Senate. Uh, what can people do there? Yes, yeah, so Tony, Equality Act again passed in the House by pretty pretty narrow margins, two twenty four to two hundred six. Only three Republicans voting for it this year, down from eight last year. That shows that we're getting to getting to them in terms of un- they understand there's issues. The people are not going to stand for the Republican base. Uh, this moves to the Senate now. Again, people can let their senators know unacceptable. We understand now, based on what we're doing here in D.C. and our work with the Hill, 
Uh, the Senate may have a hearing on this. It's possible we could see a hearing in a few weeks. However, they also procedurally have moved to make it possible to put it on the floor, put it on the floor for a vote. Therefore, making this action step a little more urgent, we have an alert up at our homepage as well, frcaction.org slash Equality Act. People can go there, send a message to their senators. Equality Act, people know why it's bad. We've, we've kind well, of detailed. Let's, but let's talk about it. I don't want to take for granted. We might have pe- folks listening that haven't heard the discussion because, again, I said this earlier in the program, people are going to hear stuff on here that, that they don't hear anywhere else because the mainstream media, and I include the cable news networks, with the exception of OAN and Newsmax, uh, but even Fox is going to give the talking points that make these things look favorable. And these are, this Equality Act, of course it's misnamed, it's, uh, it, it should be the Inequality Act, it turns science and reason on its head. Uh, this allows, you know, the redefinition, it forces a redefinition of, of sex, of biology, the biological reality of male and female. It forces it on people. Um, it promotes abortion because that's a part of this. Uh, but the big issue is that it puts religious freedom and the ability to live your faith, to teach your faith to your children in the crosshairs. It does, Tony. Um, you know, religious freedom, there's a host of ways it does this. It guts RIFRA, makes the Religious Freedom Restoration Act inapplicable to the, the application of the Equality Act. Uh, it changes public accommodation laws in a way that excludes religious organizations, religious business owners from, um, from, from protections they would otherwise have. So it basically imposes sexual ideology through the mandate of the Equality Act what they're terming non-discrimination laws. And as you know, the Equality Act is misnamed. You know, so it's important people understand how it's, this is very slickly named to connote something which sounds good, but it's very devious when you look underneath it. So religious liberty, those areas, in addition to uh, affecting faith-based institutions, adoption agencies, religious educational organizations, possibly even churches when it comes to their place in the public square and opening their, their facility up for use to the public, it could affect their freedom to do that. Well, for instance, a, a church that is open, and most churches are open to the public, whoever wants to can come in, That this could affect their bathroom policy. Right, right. So, of course, you know, churches want to be able to welcome everyone, but they don't want to be forced to to modify their force to, to change their beliefs against their conscience. It could affect their, their ability to determine how to, to set up their, their, their facilities, including bathrooms, how, how and what uh, ceremonies to host, including wedding ceremonies in their, in their, uh, their venue. Right. So if they allow outside uh, other than the members to, do, to use their facilities for weddings they could be susceptible to this. Right. And, and there's areas we're not, you know, we're, we're not even going to be able to name right now, but fall under the umbrella of the religious right. freedom of these organizations. Well, and we know, we know what the left will do is that they will, the activists will target these churches, these religious uh, institutions, and, and push the issue. They'll push the envelope. Yeah, they, they have already been doing this, you know, and, and you see this in efforts um, – that are coming behind the Equality Act, like Fairness for All, which is, you know, being positioned as a replacement or substitute, but in reality, it's very aggressive in its, in its uh, imposition on religious freedom. Does include some carve outs, is different, but broadly includes these mandates, which you mentioned previously, upending biology, science on on its head. Well, I want to talk about that, the Fairness for All, because this is being put forward as a, a reasonable compromise. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you cannot compromise on some things. And, 
in, in part, I'll just say my, my read on the uh, fairness for all is essentially looking at religious freedom as something that religious institutions have, not American citizens. I think that's a fair read of it. And to your point, there's two pieces of evidence that show that the compromise is not working. None of the major LGBT groups are backing this. They're not supportive, and no Democrats are co-sponsoring it in the House. So if this was a genuine compromise, you'd see the other side supporting it. That aside, it has incredible problems for religious freedom. It includes very small carve-outs here and there, is different from the Equality Act in that respect, and does not have the abortion problems of the Equality Act. But everything else is still bad. Yeah, There's many things where you can reach middle ground that there can be compromise on. But what we're seeing increasingly when it comes to those pushing a radical redefinition of human sexuality I mean, what, you, what you've done is you've departed from the truth, and therefore there can be no compromise. There's no common ground when you're dealing with truth and untruth. It's kind of like the Scripture says, what fellowship has light with darkness? Yeah. And, Tony, this is where it's so important to highlight the stories of people who've come out of lifestyles that, that have been furthered and where they've suffered harm as a result of these mandates. People have said, look, I, was, I entered a... Um, a uh, transgender uh, gender, uh, lifestyle, I wanted to live as a man, had surgery, yet I regret that, I want to come out of that. That approach is being mandated at all levels of government by things like the Equality Act. These people testify to the harm that that caused them. That's just a matter of truth and reality. But we're not, but we don't even want to hear that. There's no platform for discussion. Anyone who raises that issue is basically canceled by the left. They're canceled. They're called haters, even if that person's saying... Right. If that person is the one who came out of the lifestyle saying, hey, wait a minute, I made a mistake. This was a horrible experience. Please don't lead people down this path. That person is a hater and a bigot. They're a hater. They're being canceled. Yet we hear from the other side, hey, you want to erase us. Well, these people's stories are being erased when they're not even being heard. There's true erasure when we're talking about that term for these folks who... Who, they don't have a voice. I mean, they don't have a voice in today's world when you're standing up to the LGBT lobby. It runs counter to nature, and it will never be – it's like the abortion issue. You know, you go back to the Roe v. Wade decision, 1973. You know, the court took that action saying we're going to solve this issue for the country. It is a bigger issue today than it was in 1973 because it's unnatural for a mother to take the life of their own child and society to applaud it or to approve it. The same is true of human sexuality. It is unnatural for a man to, to be a woman. It's unnatural for a woman to masquerade as a man. It's unnatural for two people of the same sex to be married. And it's unnatural for a society to approve of that. This, the only way that they can accomplish this, and they'll never totally accomplish it, but the, they know the only way they can do this is by repression and by silencing the opposition, and the opposition primarily is coming from people who know the truth, and that is people who subscribe to a biblical understanding of what human sexuality is. Tony, I agree, and it's going to be more important than ever for us to continue to tell these stories, the stories of people who who, uh, maybe want help even talking about a decision that they regret where they went into a, a certain lifestyle, Bills are being put forth to even ban that kind of counseling and therapy, talk therapy. 
there, you know, when you look at that, that's evidence of the intolerance in every, in every respect that you're talking about. But the good news on this is while we see what's happening here in Washington, states across the country are pushing back on this. And so just as we have states introducing bills to reform our election system, we have states introducing bills to protect women's sports. We have bills being introduced to t- protect children from this uh, mutilation, surgical yeah. mutilation in the transgender movement. So it is encouraging to look at the states. We're actually tracking 500 and something bills on marriage, family, and sexuality issues around the country, good bills. Um, the, on the, this issue specifically, 28 bills have, are, have been introduced protecting children against these types of procedures. A great one in Arkansas. We're looking at a hearing next week down there in that state. So there is an encouraging sign when you look at the states, the developments of what's going on on these issues. Can people find out more about that? They can. They can come to frc.org and um, you know, find our issue um, pages where we'll talk more about those those issues. And we can certainly, if they reach out and they don't have, uh, can't find the information on our website, reach out to us. We'll get that information yeah, to them. Just contact us at the website uh, because we need your voice on these at the state level as well. It's uh, it's th- this is how we get involved in, in it when we've got a bad f- national federal government. That's why the, the wisdom of our founders is seen in moments like this. We don't have to go the way of the Biden administration. We have 50 states in which we can work to counterbalance those bad actions. Travis Weber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And, folks, I want to thank you uh, for being with us as well. And I do want to encourage you to check out the resources that are available for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow the links over We need your voice. Now is not the time to shrink back. It's not the time to be silent. It is time to speak truth, to speak it boldly, to speak it with courage and with clarity. And we want to help you do that. I also want to encourage you to encourage your friends to tune in and listen to Washington Watch. If it's not on a station near them, download the Stand Firm app in the App Store. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.